0: Broadcasting from the Wella offices direct from the Atlanta Tech Village, you're listening to The Incubator, the voice of the Atlanta Tech startup scene. The Incubator is a show featuring weekly interviews with Atlanta-based startup founders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. Who they are, what drives them, and how they plan to change the world. Today's show is made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. And now, here are your hosts, Tricia Whitlock and Todd Schnick. All right. Good morning, and welcome back to The Incubator. I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Trisha Whitlock. Good morning, Trish. This is going to be a fun conversation.
1: Good morning. Yeah, I've been a long time fan of this group, so I'm excited to see what they have to say. What's right. been the updates?
0: Well, let's get to it. We're joined this morning by Corey Hewitt. He's the CEO of Gimme Vending. Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Well, good morning. Thanks for making out some time to join us. I know you're a busy fellow. But uh, before we get into our conversation about Gimme Vending, take a few quick seconds and form the audience a bit about you and your background.
2: Well, I'm an undergraduate student from Georgia Tech, although I don't know how uh, that plays out when you haven't taken classes in a while and you've been so (laughs) focused on your startup. But uh, I got started inventing in early high school and grew my route throughout high school and started to see some problems that could be solved with technology. So when I did make it to Georgia Tech and when they gave me some know-how, some team and some cash to work on it... uh, it really exciting for me.
1: It's very exciting. So kind of give us the 36,000 level view of what is gimme vending? How does it work? How is it disruptive?
2: At the 36,000-foot 30, level view, we're connecting vending machines to the internet so we can help the owners of those machines make more money by answering questions about when they need to go to what machines with which products.
0: I never in a million years would have thought of something like this. I mean, it's just staggering to me. You mentioned something that I want to explore too, that you got into vending when you are in high school. I was watching television in high school. I mean, I wasn't being an entrepreneur like you were. What, were the, what are the problems? I mean, what, what problem are you solving? Why does gimme vending need to exist? What are the challenges these guys are facing?
2: So we got started because it was really hard to keep track of products and cash going in and out of vending machines. And when I was smaller and in high school, when the business of mine was smaller, in high school, I thought, "Well, you know, the guys at scale, the much larger vending operators, probably don't experience these types of problems." And when we made it to Georgia Tech and assembled a team, and we started out uh, talking to hundreds of people in the vending community—owners, operators, drivers—we talked to over 200, and we learned that when they got bigger, the problems just got bigger. But they actually had the same problems of keeping track of products and cash going in and out of vending machines.
1: So it's analytics that help people with purchasing and, I guess, procurement, right? Or proc- procurement of. Reese's Cups and Snack Crackers, which I love because Reese's Cups are always my favorite. How exactly does it work? Is it a physical device that gets plugged in? Is it a software? Kind of, you know, what exactly is the product?
2: It's hardware and it's software. So we have to connect old vending machines with 30 year old communication technology to the encrypted wireless data standards of today. So we build hardware that the people who refill the machines carry and plug in in one step and leave there for the rest of time. And once our hardware is installed in a vending machine, then it can start reporting all the data back. The driver then carries an iPad, which runs our software, and it collects data from the field, data that is entered from the driver, data that's collected wirelessly from the vending machine through our hardware and other environmental data, and it's sent up to the cloud and integrated with the vending machine owner's its end.
0: So if Trisha takes out all the species out of a machine, the driver will know that, and then when they make the next effort to supply that, they know they can that adjust their travel load of what they're bringing. Right? I mean, is that is that kind of the point? I mean, I, you mentioned pre-show about how you inv- are deeply involved in the supply chain. I can having that kind of access to data changes everything in terms of how you prepare all these deliveries. Right.
2: Exactly. Some of the more sophisticated operators are preparing things before their driver goes out. So the driver will get a box of what they put in the machine. And it's really important you you understand what's selling, what's selling well, what's selling poorly. One of the more fundamental challenges for a lot of these owners is just business intelligence in general. When we first got started with our first customer, uh, they were surprised to learn how many machines they actually had in the field deployed than what they thought they had in That's the wild. field and deployed. and yeah, They were off uh, considerably. So we're, we're helping them answer questions not only about what do you bring with you, but where, how many machines do you have? Where are they? When's the last time they were stocked? What's inside of them and where, and what do you bring back next time you go there?
1: Now, how big is this market? I mean, you go to a pool and you see one, you go to school, some schools have them, right? How many are out there and what do you think is, you know, possible for you all to kind of start, start your takeover?
2: Well, schools are an interesting one because of the recent legislation changes on what you're allowed to sell to children, but, uh, other than that, there's, well, it depends on who you ask. Coca-Cola thinks that there's 6 million vending machines in America. Uh, the organization of vending machine owners called NAMA uh, claims that there's only 4.5 million, but we'll, we'll tend towards 6 million.
1: I mean, uh, we like Coke on this show. <laughs> They're a local favorite.
2: Oh, uh, we love Coke everywhere, right? <laughs> so there's about, let's just call it five. There's about 5 million vending machines in America. And there's somebody making a purchase from one of those. 581 times a second in America. And that's contributing to over $20 billion industry. But we're not targeting Coca-Cola actually right now. And we're not actually targeting people who are like me, the mom and pops and the individuals with 26 vending machines. We're targeting people right in the middle of that. And there's about 2 million vending machines in that market for us.
0: I want to go back to your high school years and why you got into the vending business. Uh, like I said, I, w- I was certainly not thinking entrepreneurially like that when I was that age. I, Trish, it seems like every cool story of every entrepreneur who builds some amazing company, especially if, if he or she is in, they're in their 20s, they've been entrepreneurial a long time before that. Uh, what what fed that spirit? Why did you b- open up a vending business in high school? I mean, to walk us through how, how that started.
2: Oh, man. Uh, Parents told me they weren't going to buy me a car. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to drive a car, and I didn't want to drive, uh, you know, an average car. I really wanted a cool car. I thought it would, you know, help.
1: Help with the ladies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: So, uh, so I was inspired to try to buy a cool car, and I I understood that if I worked at a, you know, Chick Fil A, which a lot of my friends worked at, it wasn't going to get the cool car that I wanted. So I started thinking, what could I do while I was still in high school? I didn't want to drop out of, you know, high school. So how could I make money while I was still in class and? Uh, vending machines were the answer to that. Interesting.
1: So you were stocking them, or what exactly does the vending machine? What were you doing for, with vending machines at that point?
2: Oh man, when you're an entrepreneur, you do everything. So, uh, stocking them, putting them in the location, selling the location in order to get it. I mean, everything. Going to, uh, you know, Costco or the little. Uh, food supplier is so that I could buy the inventory in order to sell it there?
1: Um, when I was in high school, I was a swim teacher. So all I needed was a ton of sunscreen and word of mouth that I was doing a pretty good job. Man, I logistics probably would have had more though. fun there. It was a good time, but I was definitely sunburned all the time and exhausted. Um, But that's interesting. That's a pretty cool job to have while you're in high school. And to segue that into a real job as you move forward. So now I'd love to hear about the resources that you've utilized at Georgia Tech's campus and in Atlanta in general to kind of build this startup from zero to 60
2: Man, the Atlanta community in general has been awesome. You know, you've got places like Tag, Metro Atlanta Chamber, Venture Atlanta, and holy cow! I don't I mean we probably wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the great uh, startup support systems like that, and then Georgia Tech as well. We definitely wouldn't be here today without Georgia Tech. And so, talk about a community that you know—they're obviously an academic institution, excellent academic institution—but they're also they've got so much drive to help students just make something, even if you don't end up walking out with a degree. If you can produce something for the world with technology, they're 100% behind it.
1: That's great.
2: So programs like Startup Summer, we were the first uh, group of students to go through the inaugural class of Startup Summer. And that's a program that allowed us to accept cash without dilution, without any loss in equity, get help with intellectual property, and get help organizing what we were doing and getting the support that we needed in order to launch.
0: Good stuff. All right. Corey Hewitt will return after this short break. We'll be right back.
2: This is Wes Moss, former host of Atlanta Tech Edge on NBC in Atlanta. I'm here today, though, to talk to you about my new digital financial advisory firm, Wella. Wella is an old English word that means wealth. Several years ago, my team realized there were too many people who needed help with their financial strategy, but couldn't get the help they needed because they didn't reach the high investment minimums of many financial advisory firms. To answer this need, we developed Wella, a digital platform that allows us to help people just like you get free financial advice and tools to better manage their finances. We also offer online investing and the ability to work with your own investment advisor with no minimums. Learn more at yourwella.com. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A acom
0: All right, we're back with Corey Hewitt, the CEO of Gimme Vending.
1: All right. So I've kind of watched you guys almost from the beginning. So it's exciting to see how far you all have come. I know a recent award that you guys have received that's a pretty big accolade, especially in the Atlanta ecosystem, is an award from TAG um, on their business launch competition. So I'd love to hear more about the competition, what you all won, and then what you're putting on doing with the prize money.
2: Gotcha. So we won the TAG business launch competition uh, earlier this summer, and that was, for us, a huge victory. That's big, we're, yeah. Oh, we were really excited uh, about that. We went head-to-head against, I think, over hundred maybe it's 140 different uh, companies in Atlanta, and it went through several stages where it went from 140 down to just like 60, then down to 20, and then down to eight. And, and then eight, down
1: to one. And then down <laughs> to one.
2: And then there was one. And we were the one. Uh, but the eight that we went up against, uh, well, the seven we went up against, there were eight total finalist companies were all really, really good. Truthfully, you know, I think any of the eight could have won and it would have been you know, still an excellent and exciting event. Uh, but we're We're grateful to the people that, the judges that were there that saw the technology that we're building and saw the impact that this could have, not only for uh, vending machines but also for the entire community of people who rely on vending machines to make a living.
1: I know the prize pack was pretty large. It was service providers all over town throwing, you know, some love your way, and then also fifty thousand dollars from TAG. So, what are you planning on doing with that prize money?
2: Yeah, the the cash definitely helps uh, a startup, especially when it doesn't dilute your equity. Uh, so we're using that money right now for hiring. Uh, so as soon as we finished uh, with the competition, we hired our first full-time employee to help us with deployments so that we could get more customers set up more quickly. Uh, and we're going to continue that trend. Uh, we're going to need more technical help and more sales help, and the money is going toward building out our team so that we can support more customers more quickly. Are you
1: currently fundraising?
2: We are currently fundraising.
0: Tell us more about that.
2: Wow, and, uh, a time-consuming process, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're in the process of raising half a million dollars right now, uh, and that'll take us for the next 24 months to make sure that we can continue to accept more customers and continue hiring and building out the team to support these new customers. Oh,
0: that's very cool. So uh, you touched on it, but tell, go a little deeper on the team. Uh, and and uh, as you raise this, these funds, uh, what kind of talent are you are looking for? Sales and technical talent.
2: So uh, although our solution is up and running and being deployed and used in the field today, uh, instead of having a huge marketing budget, I'd rather have a huge budget to make sure that the, uh, the product that we're building is in our customers' eyes, just incredible, that it delights them, that it makes them smile, that it helps them become more successful. So we're going to continue to invest heavily in making sure that our product is as good as it could possibly be, and that'll take great talent from Atlanta, and it's helpful to be right next to Georgia Tech for that, too. Absolutely. And other great schools, Georgia State and Kennesaw State and Emory.
1: GSU. GSU? Bleed bleed blue.
2: Which which GSU?
1: (laughs) Georgia State.
2: All right, because we also have one from uh, Georgia Southern.
1: Okay, let's find you. (laughs) There's
2: some controversy there on GSU,
1: but... Um, so, I have a quick question. Who are your competitors? Is, I mean, it seems like this is a space that's kind of ripe for, distru- um, for disruption, as buzzword folks love to say. So, who else is out there that's trying to do what you're doing, and how are you doing it better?
2: Truthfully, there's not, right now, there's not a lot of competition in this space. And I think it might be because it's a smaller market compared to, you know, social media or a lot of other uh, industries where people my age are excited to. And move into immediately. This one takes a, a little bit of domain understanding to fully appreciate some of the problems that are out there. Our closest competitor, I'd say, is Cantaloupe. And they make a great product, but they were founded over 12 years ago, so their solution existed you know, before the iPhone. That's so old school. Years. <laughs> That's a long time for, for technology, I think.
1: You were so, in middle school.
2: I hadn't even bought my first vending machine yet. So <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so their mobile platform is designed differently than what we'd expect today now that we're used to iPhones and iPads and always connected and you know the IoT they were building before that existed so they they should definitely get a lot of respect for what they have built but I don't think it's going to be as compelling to operators as our solution because of the complexity and cost involved uh, with their solution.
0: And am I right in assuming that your your data is, is real-time,
2: is updated in real-time, or how does that work? So we're following the drivers around in real-time. Okay. And the machines, we report what happens when they're nearby. Okay. So a driver, we get to track that as soon as it happens. They ran out of you know the Reese's because uh, maybe... Because of Trish. Yeah, they were just all yeah. gone. <laughs> (laughs) Um, then we know that in real time because the driver was there and experienced in real time. But as far as the machines go, in order to cut the cost down, if you install a cell modem into every single vending machine, it's going to be an expensive cell bill at the end of the month. Uh, So we follow the driver, and that helps uh, give the best real-time data for operations point of view while keeping the cost really constrained for a sensitive market like vending.
0: Corey, I do a lot of broadcasting in the manufacturing space, and thus the supply chain space. And as I listen to you and I hear about your technology and I better understand it, you're obviously focused right now on the vending market. But I have a feeling that there's application of what you're building, what you're doing, way beyond vending. Is that a long-term thing you're thinking about? Two-part answer. Because I could be excited about that if I'm a fundraiser, because I could see this thing could be applied in many other spaces.
2: Well, we definitely share the enthusiasm for where this has a potential to go. But it's important for us that we keep a strict focus on making sure Oh, no, sure you got to
0: dominate one market, and then once you prove that model, then you can go elsewhere. But is that the long-term thought?
2: I think there are a few industries that are also ripe for disruption that are right adjacent to vending. And one of those would be DSD, direct store delivery. It's basically the vending supply chain problem applied to grocery stores. And so they use a lot of similar technology. The hardware that we'd need to build, we're already building. Uh, The software that we need to build, we're, we're already building. So we think that there are a few adjacent areas that would be really exciting to move into that have even larger opportunities. Absolutely. They have a uh, few species at grocery stores, too. They, they
1: better. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just more fun to put your money in. <laughs> so I have a quick question. I know from my days at Georgia State, actually, that like I could use my Panther card, my student ID, to make a purchase. So there has been a little bit of innovation happening. So what is kind of how is that play into what you all are doing as the vending machines innovate, how is your technology kind of innovating with them?
2: That is one of the biggest innovations in in vending right now is the ability to accept credit cards and Apple Pay and uh, I guess secondhand uh, NFC things like the Android Pay, but just kidding guys. Um, So we're seeing that as a disruption. You've got front-end-facing disruption. How do you interface differently with the customer from the vending machine's point of view? And we hope that succeeds. We hope that every vending machine gets equipped with a credit card reader and can take you know, cell phone payments, because that's going to just breathe new life into the industry as a whole. Plus, the more products that you're moving, the more you need to understand what's selling and when and when you need to go back and make sure that there's plenty of receipts. <laughs>
1: I'm never going to live this down. Nope. I do love chocolate, so, so whatever. I'll own not.
2: it. I mean, next time I see you, you're probably going to get a case of
1: something. Yeah, Reese's. I better. There's going to be some kind of perks, right?
0: Well, you have connections to the suppliers, right? I would think.
2: You mean the like the food the manufacturers? Yeah. No, I'd love to, but not yeah.
1: not oh, yet. Okay. <laughs> I know the Reese's people well. <laughs> ah, yeah. They write me thank you letters for keeping them in business.
2: I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: at Hypopotamus we keep a really close eye on who's coming out of all of these different accelerators around town um but of course we, because we're interested in early stage technology we you know, our bread and butter is checking out what's going on at Georgia Tech. So there's Startup Semester, there's Startup Summer, there's Create X, right? There's a lot that's happening. Um, so I'm curious about your experience with Startup Summer and kind of, you know, what is that process like? How, have you, how did you grow really quickly during that time? And what kind of resources um, were thrown at you while you're a part of that program?
2: To help put this in perspective, my first undergraduate college was Babson, which brands itself, it's a private uh, college up in Boston, and it brands itself as a world-class entrepreneurship institution. And I ended up leaving not because they weren't a great school, because they are, but because uh, a lot of people there were there to get a job. And that surprised me, because you know I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and then I went to Georgia Tech to be an engineer, where the thought is you'd become an engineer and get a job, and I was just astounded in a very positive way to find out that they had all these programs so that you could be an entrepreneur, so that you could make something and release it in the world and have that bring value to to the entire community, to the entire industry, and that was what was really exciting, and that's manifested through programs like Startup Summer, but it's so strong at Georgia Tech, this culture of make it, do it, build it, and succeed that it's not just limited to one program. And that's what's so exciting, is you can find help in a variety of areas.
1: What's really interesting is that this was not always the way Georgia Tech was. For a while, it was very much, you go in there and you leave and you're, you go to Deloitte, whatever, you get poached from Google. And it, I'm so surprised, especially knowing kind of a bit, I mean, I've been in, I was in academia for a while, so I know how slowly things go, how quickly Georgia Tech is revving up all of these different programs, and, you know, folks like Chris Klaus, who dropped out of Georgia Tech to build something, is going in and saying, we need to build these programs, whether we lose the kids or not, so that the time that they're here, they're building something great, and they're keeping that in Atlanta. So it's, you came through a very good time to be a Georgia Tech student, and I can only imagine 10 years from now how much they're going to be churning out from that school is... It's crazy.
2: Oh really excited about it and and we hope that it continues to grow in that in that way.
0: Oh, just thinking about this community in ten years' time, I can't even. Oh, I can't get my head around it. It's gonna I'm going
1: to be, be an old lady,
0: <laughs> but you still be eating Reese's Pieces. That's true. So uh, <laughs> it's early September. Uh, so uh, what, what's next for Gimme Vending? What should we be looking forward to? Are you hiring? Tell us some more about all that.
2: Yeah, building out the team is going to be really important to us. Uh, the next two roles that we want to fill to build out our team is going to be technical help from a programming side, specifically iOS. So if you know any great iOS programmers out there, we are hiring, and we'd like to fill that role quickly, and also designers, uh, because it's not just about building a product, but for us, it's building a product that our customers love to use. And so that's simplicity, that's speed of use, and it's also beauty. So we're looking for you know, an excellent designer, UI UX designer that can join the team as well.
0: Outstanding. All right. Well, Corey, uh, you're probably aware of the fact that we were recording this from the Wella offices here at Atlanta Tech Village, and, and the incubators made possible by Wella. So uh, it's time for the Wella question of the week. So I have to ask you, what's the, what's the best financial advice you have ever received?
2: Man, it's going to sound cliche, but I mean, buy low, sell high. <laughs>
0: Buy low, sell high. Can't go wrong with that. (laughs) Absolutely can't go wrong with that. So that's the well of question of the week. Corey, uh, before we let you go, how can people contact you? Should they have questions? And where can they learn more about gimme vending?
2: Our website is a great resource to learn more about gimme vending. That's www.gimme, G-I-M-M-E, vending, like a vending machine, .com. And you can reach me at Corey, C-O-R-Y, at gimmevending.com. And we're also on Twitter at gimmevend.com. Corey Hewitt. No, sorry. It's just at gimmevend. There's no dot com with the Twitter. <laughs> I was on a roll there with the dot com. So,
0: so. at gimmevend, <laughs> B-E-N-D. All right. Corey Hewitt, the CEO of Gimme Vending. Great to have you. Thanks for stopping by. Good luck to you.
2: Guys, thank you so much for having us and thank you, Willa.
0: Oh, the pleasure was ours and yes, thank you, Willa. All right. Well, that wraps this broadcast. Again, on behalf of our guest, Corey Hewitt, my co-host, Tricia Whitlock, I'm Todd Schnick. We'll see you next week on The Incubator
2: You've been listening to The Incubator, recorded from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village. This broadcast is a partnership between the Intrepid Now Media Network and Hypopotamus, and made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. The Incubator is directed by Andrea Risk and produced by Floyd Fischel. You can find The Incubator on iTunes, and leaving a rating and review on iTunes will be appreciated by all. Again, you've been listening to The Incubator. The show will return next week. We'll see you then.